Folks, please follow us on Instagram at speakeasyblackpod. That's speak, E-Z-B-L-K-P-O-D. There you can message us with any feedback. We welcome it all. For our Apple users listening through the podcast app, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Uh, the reviews really help us expand the audience. And now we're available on every platform, including Pandora Podcast. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Am I coming through? Yes, morning check, York check, sounds. Check, 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 yeah. check. Morning York sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Speak We got easy. a new mic. Black Renaissance Podcast, episode 18. We kicking it with my girl Salma today. We in the building. Hello, hello. BX, stand up. Yo, G, they can't stop me from rapping, can they? Can they hop? I spit it through the wire, man. There's too much stuff on my heart right now, man. I gladly risk it all right now. It's a life or death situation, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't really understand how I feel right now, man. It's your boy Kanye Titter. Shot Town, what's going on? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I drink a boost for breakfast, an insure for dessert Somebody order pancakes, I just sip the scissor That right there could drive a sane man bizarre Not to worry, Mr. Ace to the Izzles, back to wizard How do you console my mom? Or give a light support Telling her son's own life support And just imagine how my girl feel On the plane, scared as hell that a guy looked like Emmett Till She was with me before the deal, she been trying to be mine She a Delta, so she been throwing that dynasty sign No use be trying to be lying, I've been trying to be signed, trying to be a millionaire, how I use two lifelines, in the same hospital where Biggie Smalls died, the doctor said I had blood clots, but I ain't Jamaican man, story on MTV, and I ain't trying to make a band, I swear this right here, history in the making man, I gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly, for the day I die, I'm gonna touch the sky, gotta testify, Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky Back when they thought pink polos are hurt the rock Before Cam got the shit to pop, the doors is closed I felt like bad boy street team, I couldn't work the locks Now let's go, take them back to the plan Me and my mama hopped in that U-Haul van Any pessimists, I ain't talk to them Plus I ain't had no phone in my apartment Let's take them back to the club At least about an hour I stand on line I just wanted to dance I went to Jacob an hour after I got my advance I just wanted to shine Jay's favorite line, dog, in due time Now they look at me like, damn dog, you what I am A hip-hop legend, I think I died in an accident Cause this must be heaven I gotta testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day I die I'ma touch the sky Gotta testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly. Yeah. For the day I die, I'ma test this guy. Now let's take a Straight from a page of your favorite author And the weather's so breezy Man, why can't life always be this easy? She in the mirror dancing so sleazy I get a call like, where are you, Yeezy? And try to hit you with the old Wapi Till I got flashed by the paparazzi Damn, these niggas got me I hate these niggas As more than I a Nazi call, I know you love to show but I never thought that you would take it this far What do I know? Flashing lights, lights What do I know? Flashing lights, lights That part Welcome Speak Easy Black Renaissance Podcast Episode 18 Chris JB, what's good? What's going on? Um, straight to it. 
We have a special guest in the building with us today. Hello, hello. Miss Salma, please introduce yes. yourself. Hello, y'all. It's your girl Salma, aka Mind Body Salma. I'm here with Shaw. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, we chilling. We are chilling. We are so grateful to have you here. Uh, Salma is modest, but uh, <laughs> she is one of the foremost uh, leading fitness experts. Here we go. Here we nah, go. Nah, nah. She, she, she about it. She about it. She about her game. She nah, about her game. You, nah. you, you, you trying to get your mind and body right. She, yo, she's definitely the person. Yeah, we should remind her about it. what speak easy is. Oh yeah, speak right. it. Speak, speak easy. Speak, speak easy. Black Renaissance <laughs> Podcast, easy where we believe in centralizing black people, black voice, black interest, where we say whatever the hell we want on yes. our own terms. Mm, love it. I love the humbleness, though. But you don't have to. Uh, do that. Well, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Well, honestly, I just am here trying to deliver anything that I can to help out people like me you know I never have people on my side uplifting me and that's all I want to do for everybody that's it our episode 13 go back to season one episode 13 we called it spiritual vibes right mm. um, and we were talking about ways in which we can redefine what spirituality means Okay. Um, especially being black people in an American context where most of what we imagine spirituality to be is dominated by traditional Christianity, right? And then part of this reimagining of spirituality for black people, it's taking care of our bodies and taking care of our minds. Absolutely. Often is an underrated component of that. Uh, often a forgotten component. Both. Of what it means to be spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right? And frankly, it feels like our people are suffering unnecessarily because we neglect those, what I think to be spiritual priorities. Right? Yes. Um, so we definitely want to um, welcome you into this space and welcome your expertise in. Well, thank Kick you. some knowledge for us um, in these rounds to help us be further our journey and being more spiritually sound well i would love to i want to know why do you guys think that is yeah well i mean it, it's like I, I think Kanye west is an excellent place to start right because i think especially with in recent years for deliberately i think his identity and his complex identity and the development of his identity as a black christian has been something on full display since he's become a mainstream artist, right? I think, yeah. Yes, the, since the get-go. Right. Jesus Walk. Right, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. One of his um, biggest songs mm-hmm. early on in his career, like, very successful track, right? Jesus Walks. And I think he continued to further develop those type of Christian themes throughout his um, musical catalog, right? Mm-hmm. In recent years, though, it's like going out of his way to start and found a church, there's a certain aspect of how Kanye West approaches Christianity that often reflects the worst parts of what the faith has done mm. to black people as individuals and mm. as community. Okay. Right? And I think part of these things, a lot of times in black Christianity, we like to project this disconnect between our spirit or our souls and how we interact with our bodies and our minds mm-hmm. getting back to what we started off as like that leads to neglecting taking care of those areas right and i think i think it's not a stretch to say that uh kanye west has had some um mental health challenges of course put on public display yeah in the last few years it's an interesting case when it comes to Kanye, because uh, yeah, in the beginning, when when we saw him, when we first got introduced to him, it was um, I think the world wasn't ready for a black man like Kanye. Mm. Say more about that. Um, a black man like Kanye. You know, he he. Now that I know more of him, mm-hmm. it's like you understand that he wasn't. Yeah, he grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm, but he mm-hmm. wasn't your typical yep. black man yep. from Chicago. Yes. yes, yes. So that alone 
is very interesting. Mm. So it was almost like... Like he grew up in... The way I put that is because he said something on Drink Champs mm-hmm. that to that point I resonated with me so much where he was basically like... Oh, y'all, y'all assumed I was like into backpack rap and shit like that mm-hmm. because I was, you know, mild-mannered and cool. Right. But I was really fucking with all the drug dealer niggas. I guess right. I never killed nobody. Mm. Right. So, right. you know. Just because of the way he appeared, the way right. he he dressed, you know. Yeah, but he, w- he was so complex. Mm. And I feel like people wanted to box him in when he mm. came through. Mm. And I really feel like no one had ever seen or heard of anybody like Kanye. Mm. And that's very difficult. And when you are someone who is so complex and people cannot box you in or figure you out, and they just project whatever they want on you or wow. try to put yeah. Yeah. anything that they feel like you're supposed to do on you, wow. it really messes you up. Yeah. And in that kind of place that he is set in, where he works everything from beginning to end, like, you know, it's not, it's not even, I hate to say it, but it's like, I don't, I never, it's almost like I saw it coming, yeah. you know? Wow. It was wow. bound okay. to happen. Okay. How could it not happen? Yeah. Especially to somebody like Kanye. Yeah. One of the things that, frankly, I admire you so much for is like what you do on social media is in very nuanced and vulnerable and real ways. You encourage black people to like take care of their fucking mental health, like for real. Yes. Like for real. And not the like, because I don't want to like shit on nobody, but like not the fake surface level type of cliche cookie cutter images that you be getting in. No, it's like like you really got to be able to like look yourself in the mirror and deal with those ugly aspects about your personality that mm-hmm. you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like like you you do that very openly and vividly like uh, like the way you use and like brand and market yourself look on social that. media. And, that's and it's like Kanye could benefit from I'm, I'm, No, but that's so funny cuz that's why I'm like but it's also why I love Kanye because I feel like he does that in mm. his music. Mm. He he tells us his issues. We all self-conscious. I'm just the first to admit it. Thank you. And y'all, yeah. So that's why I love him because I I see myself in him and I'm like, this is what I do, but with my social media. That's how I interact with the world. That's how I uh, I fucking hate to say it. Come on. Speak uh, easy. Black uh, Renaissance Podcast, girl. We got you. Uh, <laughs> we got you, girl. We got y'all speak that truth. But that's how I influence people. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm telling them my truth. I'm telling them, you know, I have my issues and I see them, I hear them, and I understand them. I I know why they're here, but how can I become a better version of me for me? How can I be better tomorrow? How can I progress, you know? And how can I show others how important this is? Yeah. And I feel like Kanye does that and he he tried to do that. But in that kind of space that he's in, it's like how it's almost like you can't really be your authentic self. Yes. It's so hard. I love I love how you mentioned the music and um, Q, help me out with this. Um, How much I know a lot of Kanye's music is Kanye, but how much is it really in his words? Kanye as a rapper <laughs> has mm-hmm. been very open from the jump that oh yeah I have other niggas writing for me okay yes yeah because it's like about it and him being a rapper frankly is just I think one small component of who he is as a person and who he is as a hip hop artist and icon yeah. for me I feel like everybody has their own niche like their own little thing that they like about hip-hop or rap Mm -hmm, but for mm -hmm. me it's like i love storytellers i love a good story i love somebody who is really speaking from their heart their soul and maybe that's me being obsessed with you know unpacking trauma and shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
but and you know i i just think it's so poetic when people use lyrics to like air out their problems yeah yeah i think that's so magical yeah i think that's maybe why i love people like tupac dmx mm, mm, nas like right. you know because and, see, and it's it's interesting because you mentioned a person like tupac Mm. And even a person like DMX, who I think I've gotten killed for certain things like this, but like nuance wise, it's like Tupac and DMX, guys like Kanye West, I don't think are great lyricists. I don't. Their music resonates with me, both of them, and Kanye's as well, because like you said, it's like they're musical poets to a degree. It's like yes, they, they they're are they're genius and. Like making really deep, intimate feelings. Mm -hmm. Some of those feelings that it's like it's a a massive component in being able to like have that upkeep of your mental health. Like some of those feelings that you may not necessarily want to confront, they put it into words over tracks. Yeah, but and that, give us a medium to communicate with it. It's like I think yeah. that's the, and they don't necessarily have to be, and it's wild because like Nas is a guy that does all of this, right? Mm -hmm. But it's. Like, they don't have to be, like, technically with their word breakdown and diction of syllables. Yeah. But, as genius as a Nas, right? Yeah. But then, but I guess the only difference with that with uh, Kanye and DMX and Pac would be is that DMX and Pac were saying it in their own words. Whereas Kanye has some assistance. Sure. But yeah. even sure. when Kanye DMX, has assistance. Sure, right. I'm sorry. Even when Kanye has assistance, though. This is a collaboration. Right. It's it's still right. this is right. my world. This is, this is what's yep. happening. Yep. Help me out because they're not making the music behind yeah. the words the way Kanye is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're not creating the tapestry of how the songs fit together. Mm -hmm. As a You're collaborating you audio painting something. the way Kanye is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and there's like there's literally an art to that science. That he might be the best at ever. Mm -hmm. Producer. production. Yes. No, 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 it, no, no, no. Because the production. It's, no, no, it. it's more than just the production because I feel like in hip hop, a lot of times, especially those of us from the Boom Bap era, because like I love Boom Bap, <laughs> like it, that's that's my shit. It's mm -hmm. just like a lot of people talk about how like the trajectory and the culture of which you fall in love with the genre mm -hmm. is where you like that's your epicenter. So yeah, like. Gotcha. That's true. Yeah. Like th this is and that's what this is a Renaissance podcast because yeah. I fell in love with boom bap rap in the Bronx. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Listen, it started here. It, it started here. That's right. So <laughs> it's like give you something. That, that's right. We, 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 we got something, right? You know? so, and, and it's like in that right, it's it's beyond just the music production, which is oftentimes how we talk about what it means to be a producer. Mm-hmm. He's doing more than Absolutely. he's probably like his best, I guess, tangible skill in traditional hip hop is being a producer for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, Absolutely. but it's fucking bigger than that. B, it's Absolutely. like look, so especially those first three out, and, and maybe just for me because like I feel like those first three were the most that was closest to traditional boom bap yeah. before 808s and heartbeat yeah. heartbreaks, where he basically created a whole other genre. Yeah, of hip -hop, right. Yeah. But those first three was more. Boom bot sonically, right? But he he was fucking like that shit. You know, all of those things are like yeah. fucking me, like displays in a museum almost. Yes. Yeah. Well, there there goes there, there's what it is. Maybe Kanye is the best example of someone that deserves to have his own because he he no one really has done it like him. No one has. Yeah. No one has. I mean, he was a producer who then just like was like, you know what? I like this rap shit. Let me try it out. You know? No, but honestly, he was a producer and he knew he was fantastic at that and he wanted to rap. It's and like on the on the college dropout, rap. he was talking about when like when he first walked in the room, they was thinking like, okay, oh these beats are fucking fire. And even if the raps ain't all that, at least we can just put Cameron on them. <laughs> right. Yo, there, there's yeah. interviews of Kanye where he's literally saying, like, 
you know, I'm not a great rapper yet. I'm working like I'm gonna be a great rapper. Right. I'm not there yet. Right. But I know my beats is fire, and I'm and getting the there, and I'm around these great ass rappers, right. like, and I'm like, learning. I'm was seeing this shit around. Like, it, it's yeah, like I'm making beats you're making for beats for fucking the greatest rapper yeah. of all time. I'm yeah. making beats and for I know Jay Z. Cameron and I'm, definitely and I'm got killed it. by Kiss, but Cameron, <laughs> it, and, it, and, it, and it's like New York. It's like I think Cameron is pretty low on the tier of. New York MCs, right? And he's still, <laughs> he's still one of the fucking greatest rappers endless. of all time. Yeah, New York so is it, 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 right, exactly. We so, love Cam right, Rock. And right, it exactly. It's like our lower tier <laughs> niggas are better than I all your niggas. Right. <laughs> we like, go crazy for Cam. Um, so it's like Kanye is making beats for them, mm-hmm. and it's like that's his tangible skill production that got him in the door. Mm-hmm. But like realistically wise, and it's like I think why I resonated with. Kanye's music so much, right? We was talking about this a little bit on camera about how it's like almost a insecurity of mine of like or something that I like think consciously about of like trying not to be intellectually intimidated mm-hmm. to people, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like that can fracture mm-hmm. um, relationships in ways that sometimes could be beyond repair, right? Mm-hmm. It's like oftentimes that's my tangible skill that gets me in certain doors. Right. But like realistically, it's like I fuck with Kanye's music, especially those first three albums because like the way I see myself is like I feel like I'm more of an artist that's piecing shit together. Like Mm -hmm. trying to build a tapestry. Right. You know, for like really what it means to be black in America. Mm. It's funny that you that you said that when you were saying that and now that we're talking about Kanye but when you were saying how you know sometimes you don't want to you know seem like pretentious yeah but it's like I feel like Kanye almost felt like that most a lot of times you know like I was saying Kanye was not your typical black man growing up in Chicago. Oh, 100%. He had a mother who was a teacher, which I think is one of the greatest things that a child can have. Mm. A great teacher as a parent. Praise God. Wow. Praise God. Wow. Mm. Thank God Mm. for teachers. Mm. Thank Mm. God for great teachers. Let Mm. me put an emphasis on that because I've had teachers. We've all had teachers, but thank God for great teachers. And you could tell that his mother yeah, was yeah. A, a phenomenal Facts. teacher. The fact that he had his mother, I feel like, really shaped him, shaped his whole mental health. And, like, it's something that I admire the most about Kanye. And That's I nice. understand how Kanye is as a person now after seeing the documentary and learning so much more about him because I really feel like having a mother who or just having a person in your life that is really pushing you in a positive way and allowing you to be your vulnerable self and is applauding you and what you want to do really boosts your mental health in so many ways and really shapes you into becoming an amazing adult and human who is just really pushing yourself to be the best self you could 100%. be. 100%. 100%. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of us, um, and I think realistically, I think that's one of the reasons why like, I resonated with Kanye so much. It was like growing up in proximity to like so much violence um, and realizing that wasn't my essential nature like I ain't about that shit like what like like I like chilling I like listening to music and mm-hmm. yeah you know like I, 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 I'm I, good I'm good um, and frankly having the mother that cultivated those aspects in me and like mm-hmm. made space for me to yeah. explore those ideas it's like yo rest yep. in peace Donda for real and it's right. a lot for a lot of us like black boys growing up in these type of environments yeah like sound mental health for us a lot of times starts with um, positive reinforcements and positive not a lot of times. Not a lot of from times. From our mothers, that's, that's where it starts. Yeah. yeah, that's literally where it starts. So one of the things that we've been transparent about in recent episodes is most of our listenership is black women, particularly from the ages of twenty-three through 
uh, 35. Mm. Right? And Salma, like, just fr frankly, it, it's, I think you are a excellent example and role model and an epitome of health oh, for you. black women. Thank you. That's and right. for those of us that don't identify as black women, it's like, if you can't uh, look towards black women as your model and examples for sound health, I think that says more about you than it does about uh, these black women health leaders, but that's a whole nother episode. So if you're comfortable, Salma, can you speak to us a little bit about, because I think it's a fascinating journey, like your, your physical health or your um, journey and how that also led to prioritizing sound mental health as well. Absolutely. I want to go real, 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 real back. Because uh, it, it all starts with your upbringing and, you know, you at a very young age and um, growing up, you know, I'm African and I was born in Nairobi, Kenya, and then I came here to America in New York when I was five and growing up in America was already difficult as it is uh, just being a foreigner and you don't realize that. So like me as a young kid being here and not being of the culture, I already was experiencing trauma mm. without even knowing it. So yeah. the first real big thing that happened to me um, was I was in kindergarten and this is the first thing that I remember. And my mom was dropping me off. I was going to school in Westchester, New Rochelle. And uh, my mom was dropping me off at my first day in kindergarten. And she was speaking to me in our native language, Swahili. And all the kids started looking over and were like, what are they speaking? You know, and I, maybe that was all in my head. Maybe they weren't even looking. Maybe they didn't even care. I mean, we we're all like four or five years old. But to me, I instantly saw, nobody else was speaking the same language. I instantly noticed that. And I turned to my mother and my other sister was there, Sharon, and they'll never let me live. They, they all remember this. And they were like, I turned over to my mom and I said, don't speak like that around these people. Mm. And after that, my mom instantly switched to English after that, uh, my mom was just like, that's totally fine. I will speak to you guys in English, and that is that. And, um, you know, I didn't realize that that was me already feeling out of place, already feeling like an outsider, already trying to mask who I am, already trying to become somebody else just to fit in. I had no idea because how, how would you know when you're a five-year-old? So, um, you know, it's interesting the way that I grew up just here in America, um, going through the motions of always feeling like an outsider, never fitting in. I traveled a lot and like moved from place to place because of my father's job. And even that alone, like... I used to envy people who grew up with their friends. They would be like, you know, they would be like, oh, I, I knew this person since I was in, you know, preschool, whatever. And I never had that. And I always felt like I'm the outsider. Like, y'all are the real friends. I don't have those memories. I'm the outsider. So growing up, it was always hard to really connect with people and i always felt out of place and then just with that alone it just started like spiraling into more insecurities you know mm. it started mm. off with feeling alone and then it would be like well why am i alone mm. like why do i feel alone is yeah. it because i'm less than is it because i'm not good enough is it because i i'm not pretty enough is it because i'm too black is it because i'm not black enough like just so many different things and then, you know, then that spiraled into, you know, resulting to staying home more and excluding myself from things and feeling like I don't belong. And then, you know, I don't know, just 
I honestly turned to food. I was like, this is the only thing that brings me peace and joy. I want to yeah. be by myself and yeah. just treat myself like, oh, I, I did this right. Like, you know, when I was going to school, I was like, oh, you did well on this test. Go out and celebrate. Oh, yeah. Drink up, eat up, do whatever you want. That's facts. And I thought that that was like, that was taking care of myself, mm. treating yourself. But that wasn't treating myself. I was just, I don't know, masking things, you know? So growing up, I had a really hard time since the get-go. Like, I remember being in fifth grade and, like, being literally weighing, like, 90 pounds, being a thin girl, but being overdeveloped or more developed i should say not overly but being more developed than other girls mm -hmm. my age and feeling like i was fat mm. uh because i didn't look like them mm, just my god, my god. that was that mm. was like a thing of me like just mm. like i was a kid i was like i don't fit in i don't belong like i'm different i don't want to look different yeah. i want to look like all the other girls why don't i look like all the other girls yeah so then I started hating myself. Then I had a lot of older men my God, like my hitting God. on me and I'm in sixth grade. Like, Yo, that's I can't old. walk down the street old, old, old. without having older men hit on. And it's like, I don't want that. So then it's like, then you just start looking at yourself. And then I had, I had like stretch marks on my thighs and I was like, oh, well, what is this about? Is it because I'm fat? Because then you, you know, people say things to you yeah. like, and then you just feel like you're fat. So then I did turn to food and I was like, this is the only thing that is making me feel better. Yeah. And, um, you know, growing up black, growing up African, all we do is eat. All we do is eat. And, you know, no one around me thought anything bad about it. Nobody stops me from it or anything. Uh, I had like, and then when it was like, when it came down to like, it was too late. Like once I was like overweight, it was like my mom, she would be like, oh, you're just, you're fat. It was like, uh, it was always a negative thing. It was never, nobody ever approached me in a different kind of way. I don't know. I never had like anyone uplifting me or pushing me or just taking me under their wing and kind of educating me on how things would be. I, it was always just looked at like, this is negative. Mm. Like in the black community for women, it's like, if you're, if you're overdeveloped or you're more developed than others at a young age, they try and tell you like, you know, you shouldn't do this. Like you shouldn't have male friends. That was the thing that Jesus always Christ happened to me. I remember being in fifth grade and having a male friend who was my best friend. And oh my God, he called my house one day and I told him, yeah, you can call me, whatever. We're friends. He called my house phone and my mom answered and she told me like, you're not allowed to have friends for boys. And now, yeah. as an adult, I understand why yeah, she yeah. was in fear. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a trauma thing. My mom had her first child when she was 16, where I felt like I couldn't be myself. I wasn't happy with myself. It was like everything about me was wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I just wanted to blend in. I was like, why is it so hard to just be myself? Why is it so hard to be a 13-year-old girl? Yeah. I can't have a, a guy friend. Like okay i can't i can't wear shorts oh my god I, it would be summertime once again i'm so thin like literally sixth grade i was 110 pounds five five like <laughs> and i used to wear pants every day to school every single day in the summertime 90 degrees no matter what because i was like Either I don't want to be called fat in school because mm. I have thicker thighs than all of the other girls or, or a bigger butt than all the other girls. So the girls want to call me fat or the boys want to call me fat or talk about how big my butt is, which was very like it wasn't cool back then. Or I go home, I have yeah. to walk home and I have these Older old men, men. Fucking creep ass niggas like looking at little girls like you trying to. So no, I'm going to wear man. sweatpants in 90 degree Jesus weather Christ. and walk home. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then, like, what does that do for you? So, yeah, I turned to food a lot. And um, it caught up to me. Like, when I was younger, it didn't really do much. But then when I got to college, like, I started gaining a lot of weight. And I was so insecure. And, oh, my God, Q, when you met me, it's so funny. I was so low when you met me. Like, I was at my lowest of low. Mm. Um I was so lost that I was just like, I'm gonna pack up everything and I'm just gonna move to Pleasantville. <laughs> like, what the fuck is Pleasantville, New York? Trash. <laughs> oh, oh, but oh I hated, we can talk about trash, Pleasantville. Right, but like, second, right. I hated my life so much that I was like, I'd rather be in Pleasantville, New York than anywhere else i hated myself i had like i didn't know where i was going i was in school for something that i didn't care about um and i was just so lost and it's funny because the way that i found out that i was really big was because i i went and i stayed in pleasantville for a full year and i came back home and my mom was like my mom dead ass was just like you're fat <laughs> and I was like what the heck damn mom and I was just like okay like I didn't think anything of it whatever I was just like that's rude like I know I gained some weight but okay but it was um it wasn't until I went to my physical to my doctor and I got weighed and I was almost 200 pounds and um i was just like damn how did this happen like a year ago i was like 150 pounds so that was crazy and then it all sank in and then i just realized like i wasn't taking care of any part of me mm. like mm. any yeah. part of me from beginning to end yeah. and i had never been taken part like any care of myself at any point um but that was the point when I realized I wasn't taking care of my physical health yeah. and I just didn't want to uh, become, you know, to a point where it was like I couldn't go back. I don't know. Like, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And my doctor was just like, you know, you are overweight and I didn't want to go to a place where I was at a point of no return and you know I was told by my doctor that I was overweight and um, it was something that I never thought that would happen to me because I always I was always I was always thin even though like I was very insecure about my body I always knew that I was thin um, and when I got overweight it happened so fast that it i didn't see it happening so when i heard that from my doctor i knew it was real like your doctor is telling you this and then um my doctor also knew my mother of course and was my mother's doctor and was like you know your mother has you know heart problems she has high blood pressure you know she's on the verge of becoming diabetic that's where you're going to end up like you have to see the pattern that's happening so are you going to continue this pattern or are you going to do something about it and i made up my mind at that point i was like there's no way that i'm ever going to have any Amen. type of health complications Amen. i'm not going to let myself get to that point mm, like mm, i would never like it was literally <laughs> literally at that moment I literally said there's never going to be a day that I let myself get to that point um so yeah uh, after I left that day I'm I got on Google like literally I got on Google I had I didn't know who to turn to I didn't know who to ask I just got on Google and I was like literally I typed in how to lose weight <laughs> how to lose weight and i was like how to eat how how to work out how like every little thing it sounds so stupid but i had no idea mm. what i was doing i had nobody that i knew and i was just like i i'll ask google and google fucking helped <laughs> and then you know 
I got some confidence after a while and I got very, very lucky, I have to admit. Um, I got very lucky and I was staying in Pleasantville and I was living with two people who were very active. Mm. And one person who was, you know, kind of on the football team at that point, um, who was like, you know, getting up early in the morning and trying to work out. So I was like, you know what, let me ask these people who are constantly active and, you know, I aspire to be like them. So I was like, let me reach out to them and yeah. see. Yeah. If they can help. That's the, the simple humility of asking people for it was help. scary as When fuck. you see them doing something <laughs> that you emulate, right? Like, seriously, it was it's like... It was scary as fuck. It was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. I'm, I don't like being in that kind of place. That's real. But I, I felt like, you know, that made sense. And sometimes you, you have to, like, seek help. You have to, you know, what the best people to go to are the people who are doing it. And... What's the worst that could happen? They say no. Right. Like, whatever. Right. Okay. I'll go back to Google. <laughs> but, you know, um, I was very lucky and they, they helped me out. They were really pushing me. And um, yeah, so to go back to what I was saying with Kanye and his mother, you know, support is everything. And... I feel like growing up, I like I lacked that a lot, um, and I don't fault my parents at all for it. I feel like they were also miseducated mm. on how important it is for parental units to be supportive in their children's lives, um, and how easy it is to be supportive. Um, but in that time, all I needed was support. And even as a kid, all I needed was support. Even from when I was a five-year-old, um, of me telling my mom, you know, don't talk like that amongst these people. I really needed her to educate me on how important it is to love myself and mm, where I came mm, from. Mm, because mm. now as an adult, I truly envy the fact that I don't speak proper Swahili because wow. she didn't speak. Yeah. Wow. Like my mom, my parents, both of them, they were okay with me and my siblings speaking to them in English. Like they would speak to us in Swahili and we would respond in English. So wow. I can understand Swahili perfectly but yeah. I can't speak Swahili perfectly and I truly dislike that about myself because I know it's because I was so traumatized by being different that I stopped that and see this is so interesting because it's like um, one of the things that I've been intentionally trying to bring to the forefront and talk about on this podcast is like specifically as black people we need to be able to talk about our differences and our nuances within the diaspora mm -hmm. while still without ranking them right it's like we we can talk about and it's like seriously as a black american it's the fact that i can only speak english is like one of those things that i've been really insecure about um yeah with regard to like my black identity right because it's like that's low-key the only shit we got right and it's so funny because i've i've always felt a real like i i feel like okay for just me and i'm only speaking for myself always i've always felt a real disconnect to a lot of african-americans mm. and it has always been me, like when I was younger, it was always me trying to be accepted by African-Americans. Yeah. And African-Americans yeah. always figuring out a way to to label me as something else. Yeah. 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 And that was like, it's like, damn, since five years old, I've always been trying to just fit in. 
And like, I've always been the person that is always out of the box. That's why I connect so much to Kanye. Yeah. It's like this dude who yeah. is so complex. No one can figure him out. But people always try to label him Put as him in this. The and box. that's why yeah. he can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, y'all yeah. are making me out to be somebody. Else. Like, y'all have this idea of me, but y'all don't know who I am because I haven't even been able to show you who I really am because y'all haven't even given me the opportunity. It's like everything I put out, y'all got to, like, chop it up because it's not the same shit y'all like. You know, yeah. or it's not the same thing you're doing. We didn't grow up the same. I'm very complex. There's so many layers. And seriously, and I think in a real way, I think a major component of how we're trying to talk about and think about and redefine what black religion and black spirituality is for us is intentionally carving out those spaces for black people to explore those mm -hmm. aspects of our identity formation that the broader society does not provide for us because it's like yes. we can't be healthy without without actually figuring out like who we are on our own terms right like you're, you're not going to be healthy mentally you're probably right. not going to be healthy physically and ultimately ultimately it's like like that's spiritually detrimental like you you can't be someone that you're not right you can't like it's gonna kill you it will literally kill you and I'm a walking proof of it because all my life I've tried to be somebody else for other people to make other people feel comfortable and like I think it was at 25 that's when I was like oh, what the fuck am I living for oh. mm. like something clicked in me honestly thank God for therapy thank God for my therapist shout out to Vesta I got the best therapist because Take care of your man. mental health, folks. <laughs> Yo, make sure you're seeing that therapist on a weekly basis. Yes. Me and my doctor. Uh, we, we canceled this week, but we back on <laughs> not Not next week because it's uh, Memorial Day. Mm. But uh, no, no, we back on it in two weeks for sure. Yo, make yes. sure. Yeah. Yes. Because honestly, I was like, this is crazy. You can't live your life for other people. You can't try to be somebody else for somebody. Like, you can't. It, it, you only have one life. You're going to wake up one day and just be like, oh, I did this for what? You have to do it for you. Yeah. But the only way to figure out what you want to do is by actually figuring out yourself. And that's really what I learned is like since day one, I've always tried to be somebody else to fit in to what society wants me to be yeah. or yeah. what is acceptable in yeah. society. And it was really hard for me because I was always placed in a lot of different circles. Yeah. And so that's why I was saying it'll really drive you crazy because I was placed in so I could fit into so many different circles that I had to be so many different types of people. Yeah. So I really lost myself. Yeah. Because and I, I couldn't yeah. figure out which one was the real me, but none of them were. And that's something <laughs> that resonates because it's like I felt like I've dealt with this duality in life where, frankly, more than anyone else, because of my mom, I feel like I've always had this keen sense of exactly who I am and who I want to be. Mm. And at the same time, um, for a lot of different reasons, and one of them, I think, is very relevant. It's like as a black man growing up in America, like picking up on that, like, yo, motherfuckers are looking at me like I'm threatening as soon as I walk into the room. Mm. Like having to be like really attuned into other people's emotions and perceptions yeah. about who I am. Yeah. Having to be versatile and adaptable. To those type of empathetic and i feel the same way feelings, but in a right? different way and it's like yo i remember there are a few watershed moments where i remember distinctly like oh shit no no no, no. my sense of not only just integrity is being compromised here mm -hmm. my sense of being mm -hmm. is being challenged yes and it's like usually in those moments I respond like, "Oh, you got me fucked up." <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. No, I feel that. Yeah. 
I feel like that's where I'm at now. It took a long time, but that's where I'm at now. Yeah, but for a long time, I was always living life. Like when when we were hanging out, it was it was a real insecure version of oh me. Oh my god! It was a let me hide behind the shadows. Let me not be seen. It was like these are not even my friends these are so-and-so's friends like i always felt out of place i was like these people are only hanging out with me because of so-and-so like always felt out of place um and like it was really really crazy like i, I was just always like what am i doing here nobody cares like why am i here these are not your friends they don't care about you why are you here um you should leave like you don't I, well, yeah there would be times when I'd be invited to a place I'd be like, why, why would you go? Like, nobody wants to see you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's it's wild how, you know, the mind works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but once I got my physical health going and in check, I started realizing like, because I really thought like, okay, let me get my physical in check and everything will come to me. Mm. Everything will be fine after mm. that. Mm. Um, but no, everything was not fine. Um, and I didn't even know that until I started dating uh, somebody who, who was like, you know, you're getting in your own way. He was the person that told me that. Damn, yo. That's a bold brother. Yeah, it's hard to say things like that to a woman without coming off as pretentious and yeah, no, like, sweetie, great. I'm not trying to read you. He's great. But, yeah. He was great because I needed that. Yeah. A person like me needs somebody who, like, I always need people like that in my life. Mm, mm. And I always lacked people like that in my life. Um, and, you know, I really... I really was in my head a lot mm. and so people saw me just like how you can't believe what I'm saying people saw me in a different kind of way but internally I was completely out of place I was all over the place and was very lost and had just really ill feelings about myself mm. and this dude was like the only way we will work is if you see yourself the way that I see you. God have mercy. And it's so crazy yeah. because we didn't work, unfortunately. It but but it happens, yeah. we met up again. Hi. Hello, love. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, no. Say hi, oh, girl. We're straight. We're straight. It's all good. Um. No, but yeah. So we met up again recently actually and you know it was so funny he said something that will never leave me and he said it's crazy how i was the person who pushed you into therapy so that you could be a better person for yourself but in return that pushed you away from me because you saw how oh my god yo and it's like that that happened to me like seriously i was i was dating I felt, a person I, I was devastated yo no and it's like that is so interesting because it was like immediately after i got out of a long-term relationship that i ultimately thought was going to end in marriage yeah we thought we were gonna get married too yeah yeah i ended up dealing with someone that the positive was they pushed me in the direction of seeking therapy on a regular basis, which uh -huh. I'm still doing today. Uh -huh. But at the same time, it's like as I grew and developed, I kind of got the feeling like they were pushing me in that direction, especially because it was an older woman of trying to be manipulative of me. Mm. Um, and, mm. and, and, and it's like that's often a dichotomy. I think um, black people often deal with that. I found like it's hard to speak about um, in certain circles because it's like I'm skeptical or and I'm getting I'm still working to get over this even as I go to therapy once mm -hmm, a week. It's like I'm skeptical about the way mental health 
and medicine in general in this country has been used to like overly stigmatize black men and i think even in an example of like kanye west like again he spoke about this on drink champs in a way that is really interesting because like there's something about black men and it's toxic and at the same time it can be very revelatory Mm -hmm. and the line between the two are often very blurred it's like when 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 you around your niggas and you getting fucked up like you can be vulnerable in ways that you may not be able to do in other settings right mm-hmm. and he's talking about how yes he struggles with his ment- like certain mental health uh-huh. um, components and then at the same time when he's actually being bold and vulnerable and like confronting crucial issues within relational dynamics with crucial relationships niggas use that as an excuse oh, like, oh he's crazy so we ain't gotta listen to him yeah and like for, for as a black man and I think particularly like as someone that's like trying to like carve my space out to be a professional critic and philosopher of like black religion and black politics mm-hmm. it's like yo there's certain times like you know you can't say certain shit publicly cause you know niggas is just gonna write you off as crazy yes I feel the same no but it definitely is huge for black men and especially for people like Kanye I totally get that you're absolutely correct you're absolutely correct but I think it's it's for everybody like I feel that as well like even for me you know even like me growing up in you know white communities like I grew up in Fairfield Connecticut mm, Fairfield is a different beast yo. <laughs> that shit is different I'm so yo. happy you oh spent time in Connecticut cause you yo. know what Fairfield Connecticut is like so you know me growing up in Fairfield Connecticut places like that like being one of five black people in the whole town. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> you I know, couldn't. it's it's pretty wild. And I grew up in a different kind of place and it was almost like it was almost like you're you're always walking on fucking eggshells. You always got to be once again, you're always like a whole different person. You it's like blending like making yourself to be somebody else these traumas is crazy but it's like any time that you wanted to be yourself you're almost thinking like are these people gonna look at me crazy yeah if i speak my mind if i even say like what you're doing like literally what you're doing is racist you have to like you think in your head like me being a little kid want to be like prime example my sister natasha god bless her soul not god bless her soul like she's dead or something but i really love her she's mm-hmm. like my mom mm-hmm. literally she used to pick me up from the stop sign down the street from my elementary school in fairfield and there was a crossing guard that was there every day and she used to see my sister come over to pick my pick me up and my sister waited for me at that stop sign every day when she came over to pick me up one day the crossing guard recognized her and she decided to have a conversation with my sister this day and she tells my sister she says oh you must be waiting for the little colored girl this is like 2000 and freaking two but you know the fact that that happened at fairfield does not surprise me right and it's like things like that my sister wanted to be like what the fuck that's fucking racist like what what's wrong with you but like we had to once again internalize that shit because Mm -hmm. we don't Mm want to be looked at as crazy me being a black woman like i work in corporate america yeah there's i'm the only black woman working in my job yeah i'm the only one so i'm constantly Mm. Mm. making sure that i'm not being looked at as crazy yeah yeah it's all over the place so it's like i understand why you know this like kanye does his things like that's why people like when they say like even with us like we joke around all the time and say oh we miss old kanye whatever whatever and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. me myself i always think and i'm like you know i can't fault kanye it's almost like my parents 
I understand. Yeah. I understand why he is acting the way that he's acting. Absolutely. So I'm yeah. always like, I cannot fault Kanye. Just yeah. like I cannot fault my parents for the wrongdoings because they did the best that they could do. They were only trying, you know, like they didn't have the tools. Maybe they didn't know, yeah. you know, how to go about things, how to talk things out. Yeah. So when it comes to Kanye, I'm like, he doesn't know how to go about things. Yo, and that's why I'm saying. It's like, even if, um, because I got all types of problems with Kanye West. And I think particularly as a budding Afrocentric philosopher and scholar, it's like, bro, that whole slavery is a choice thing. That's like, where he like, had all of us fucked up. Right, right. And it's like, you really got to understand, like, in but a real way. Bro, you are a fucking black... You are one of the handful of black billionaires in this capitalist Western society. Everything you say is going to hold weight. Yes. You can't get up there and say dumb yes. shit like that. And that is where I agree with you so much. And I think that's where Kanye misses his mark because... He has always said whatever he wants to say, but he doesn't understand the platform that he has. Yes. And he has to recognize that there's, there's, I hate to say it, but there's a, there's a right and wrong way of doing things, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. he has to recognize the power of influence. Yep. Yeah. That's just it. There's people that are watching you. There's people who follow you. There's people who do whatever you say. And I think, you know, like even with me, with me being a quote unquote influencer, and that's why I say things like that, like quote unquote, because you are definitely an influencer. But, See, like but, she being humble, y'all, y'all no. speak easy. She being humble. She definitely an influencer. I'm gonna pick her up. No, if she no, ain't gonna no. do it, I'm a big girl. She an influencer. Listen, but this is the thing. This is the reason why I say this is because I don't like calling myself an influencer because there's a lot of influencers who are preaching the wrong things and okay, teaching that. the wrong things. There's a lot of that. Yeah. It's yeah. that's an it's like very easy to do that. It's very easy to get popular off of doing that and that's not what i do so i don't that's like facts. to label myself as an influencer i i that's why it was so hard when i was like i don't know how to introduce myself mm, i don't mm, want to introduce mm, mm, myself as this or that mm. i'm just a person that likes to help people i like to educate people on how to go about things because i didn't have that growing up and i know how important that is that is something that I feel everybody needs, no matter how old you are. It's so crucial and it helps you and builds you into being a greater version of you. And like, after seeing the Kanye docu, I was like, yo, like this isn't even about Kanye. This is about his mother. Mm, this is mm, about Donda. Yeah. This is about yeah. how important your, your childhood is, how important a supporter is from day one and that's what it really is about you only need one person to show you that you can be everything that you want to be praise praise mm. the fact that he mm. had a mother mm. a God. parental figure that My wasn't God. telling mm. him you should to do shrink this yourself. or yes or you're not or good to enough not be who you right. are I'm so African. All of your dreams and aspirations right. are valid. Like, I'm so African. The way African. you envision yourself in your imagination, <laughs> that like is godly <laughs> inspired praise. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, like, for real, though, like, I didn't have that. And um, being African, it's it's hard because we don't have parents like that. Like, once again, I'm speaking for myself and that's my right. experience. Speak it. Speak it. I did not have that kind of parental figure. And... Um, I'm noticing that that's really all it is. You know, I, I was a nanny for a lot of years and you know, this is something that I really do applaud myself on. I'm a great fucking nanny. I was a great nanny and I loved it and I enjoyed it. And I realized how important it is to be a supportive parental figure in a little person's life. Yeah. It really yeah. molds them and shapes them and it makes them feel like they can do anything and that is so important to have that on you and that's something that he has and i'm like you know 
he now feels like I can say whatever, but it's like you gotta be careful right. because of because where you are now. Right. Yeah. Comes great responsibility. Right. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, and, and like one of the reasons it's, um, again, and this is something that I'm very self conscious about because it's like anytime anyone compliments me on this, like I literally, like I feel myself like getting small, like, cause like, I don't know what to do like when oh, people tell me oh my god how smart you are or, mm. you know, oh my god you're a genius so you're brilliant i'm like yeah i don't even know what the hell that means right so it's um it's the same thing that you're doing to me you see and that's the thing i'm like you know calm down don't talk yeah, right 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 <laughs> like right. i don't know it's just like calm down but it is like you know i was saying to you earlier i was like you know, so many people look up to you. So many people admire you. So many people think so highly of you. And it's all facts. And like, I'm sure you could say the same to me. And it's, Absolutely. you know, but it's like, <laughs> it's weird to think of yourself as that. But like, you also know, like, you know, with that, you have to understand your power yep. in that. Yep. And that's why I'm always telling you, like, you got to push that. I want more people to hear you. We need more people like you. More people need to hear you. It's so crucial, especially in in our culture. So yeah. crucial for black people to hear and see people like us, honestly. Thanks. And it's it's hard to to push us. It's hard because we're also the type of people that is like, we want to be in the background. That's right. <laughs> I don't like attention at all. I really don't like to tell you like I fuck with a handful of people and they're like yeah, really. you know 